Anderson, Schumacher, and the FIA. 1994 was one heck of a year in F1 history with multiple cheating allegations arising. And this week I'm talking all about it. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syrah and this week we are talking about the 1994 Formula One cheating scandal. There was no race this past week while F1 took a little bit of a break before we head out to Qatar. So I thought I'd come back with another episode of Weird and Wonderful F1 where I look at some of the weird and wonderful stories and scandals that have happened in F1 history. So yeah, we are going to be rewinding around 30 years into F1 history for this episode. And if you have never heard about this story before, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did when I was researching it. And if you have, I hope you still enjoyed the episode. So let's get into it. 1994 was one interesting year for Formula One. It was the 48th F1 World Championship season. There were 16 races in total. And this was the year that the great Michael Schumacher won his first ever World Championship. His first of a record seven. But it was also one of the most controversial years in F1 history. There were a number of allegations of cheating that one particular team kept facing. And we're going to be speaking all about that. Now, going into the 1994 season, there were a couple of changes to the technical regulations. Electronic aids like power brakes and traction control were banned, and teams also weren't allowed to use anything like active suspension or anti-brake lock systems, or ABS. The changes had been made because people were starting to get worried that there was too much emphasis on the car doing a job on the race weekend, and it was becoming less about driver talent and driver skill, so people thought the car was doing way too much. Talking about that ban on traction control, Max Mosley, who was the president of the FIA at the time, said that the system could be extremely dangerous and unpredictable, and so he was in favour of it being banned for that reason. He thought it would be safer for the drivers not to have it. And the talk surrounding active suspension, well... There had been a lot of talk about the legality of it for a little while, so there was just a blanket ban that the F1 put out on it, so there was no grey area. Some people thought that that particular regulation was aimed specifically at Williams, since their active suspension had been a pretty strong advantage in previous seasons. But on top of banning a load of things, there was also a reintroduction, and that was of refueling during the race. And this was going to be the first time that it was allowed during a race since 1983. So when the 1994 season finally began, well, it really didn't take long for people to start accusing teams of cheating. It actually started during the very first race when the drivers headed out to Brazil. Elton Senna had been leading his home race in the Williams car when on lap 21 he got called in for a pit stop. He was followed closely in by Michael Schumacher, who had been driving for Benetton at the time. Schumacher ended up having a quicker pit stop than Senna and got out on track ahead of him. And so, talk had started about how Benetton could potentially be using some kind of system that might make their pit stops quicker compared to other teams. Going into the second race of the season, which was the Pacific Grand Prix held in Japan, there were more rumours that began to stir. 
During that race weekend, Nicola Larini, who was a test driver for Ferrari, had leaked to Italian media that during a practice session, he had used traction control, which obviously had been banned by the FIA. He had said all of that and leaked that to the media only for both him and Ferrari to come out into world media and say, actually, it wasn't true and we're denying that we're using traction control. I have no clue why your driver would come out and leak to the media that he was using it and then for you and him to come out and then say, oh, no, 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 actually, no, we're not. He's lying. No traction control here. But that leak, even though Ferrari were denying it, had caused some eyebrows to be raised about other teams who might be using it. Ayrton Senna had ended up retiring during that first lap of the race after he had a collision with Mika Hakkinen. And at this point, most drivers will just head back to the pits, into their garage, and generally just be away from the racetrack once they retire. Senna, though, decided not to do that. He stood out there and watched the cars and wanted to listen to see if he could hear any noises that could suggest that traction control was being used in any of the cars. And after this little exercise, he went back to the Williams garage with his suspicion raised that there were aspects of the Benetton car that were illegal. The third race of the 1994 F1 season was an extremely sad one as F1 headed out to San Marino Grand Prix or as we know it now, Emilia or Emilia Romana. Both Roland Ratzenberger and Ayrton Senna had lost their lives over that race weekend. Ratzenberger had hit a concrete barrier during qualifying and passed away due to his injuries and Ayrton Senna had had an incident on the seventh lap of the race on Sunday with his car also going into a concrete barrier and had lost his life. And both of those tragedies did cause the FIA to make some rule changes to help improve safety. But before they announced those safety changes, they had asked Benetton, Ferrari and McLaren, the top three teams at the San Marino Grand Prix, to give them a copy of their engine management system source code, which would let the FIA know if they were using traction control because it was all managed through this source code. Now, Ferrari happily handed over their code immediately when asked for it. Benetton and McLaren, on the other hand, only gave the FIA their code after the deadline had passed, which is a little suspicious, you have to admit. Why weren't you able just to hand it over straight away? The source code would have been there. But because they had handed it over after the deadline, they were both fined $100,000. The safety changes were then announced at the following race at the Monaco Grand Prix. Now, the majority of the rules would come into play after that race again, but one thing that the FIA did enforce during that Grand Prix was an 80 km per hour pit lane speed limit. But changes that would come in during the following race included changes to the front wings, teams having to run a smaller diffuser and other changes that would reduce the amount of downforce these cars were experiencing. Teams had tried out the changes between the Monaco and Spanish Grand Prix where the changes would come into action at the Spanish Grand Prix, but some teams were having issues with these regulation changes and those issues included things like cracked wings. There was an incident though during testing where the rear wing of a Lotus car had managed to detach itself. And because of the sudden lack of downforce that car had felt, it had ended up going through a protective fence. The driver, Pedro Lamy, thankfully was okay. It wasn't a fatal incident, but he had ended up breaking both of his legs and his wrists during the incident and had to sit out of Formula One for a full year because of those injuries. And the testing did cause teams to come out and criticise the changes that the FIA had brought. 
with people like Flavio Briatore, the head of Benetton, saying that the regulation changes were ill-considered snap decisions. Regardless of those complaints, though, there were even more changes that were introduced for the Canadian and German Grand Prix. And those included things like a pump fuel and a plank. And the plank is still something we see on F1 cars now. And it's a piece of wood on the bottom of the chassis that's monitored for excessive wear. Now, during the French Grand Prix, which was the fourth race of the season, the cheating allegations started up all over again. And yes, once again, we are only four races into this season. And it all started when Michael Schumacher, who was starting in P3, managed to overtake both Damon Hill and Nigel Mansell and lead into the first corner. And that made people start to think again that Benetton was still using traction control. Now, the French Grand Prix was held at the beginning of July and later that same month, the FIA had come out to say that it had actually analysed Benetton's black box for Imola. And during that analysis they had found something called a launch control system. Now, launch control is a type of technology that can optimise a car's acceleration from standstill, perfect for times like when the lights go out at a race start. It could give the driver a massive advantage. But, apparently, some of the findings of the investigation had surprised even Benetton. They did admit that, yes, this launch control code did exist, But their point was that the code was redundant. It wasn't something that Schumacher would have been able to activate while he was in the cockpit. And part of this launch control system also included traction control. Now, the FIA regulations stated that traction control and the use of it was banned. But any tech or software that could be used to implement traction control, like the launch control system, was not banned. Only the use of it. And because the FIA actually had no proof that Benetton was using the system to activate traction control, there was no action that the FIA could take. And the FIA launched a statement saying that launch control was not used during the San Marino Grand Prix, but if there had ended up being any evidence otherwise, Benetton would have been disqualified. And not just from the race, but from the championship. Moving on to the British Grand Prix, Michael Schumacher and Benetton had some other problems that they needed to deal with this time. He illegally overtook Damon Hill during the formation lap and was given a five-second time penalty because of it. 27 minutes after that incident had occurred, he was given that penalty. Schumacher never went into the pits when he was originally given the penalty and eventually was shown a black flag. Eventually, Schumacher did go into the pits to serve that penalty on lap 27 of the race. Schumacher and Benetton were later fined $25,000 for breaching the sporting regulations and the FIA opened an investigation about the events happening during the race. But that was not the end of everything going on in the 1994 season because why would it be? The German Grand Prix brought up yet more controversy and, of course, it was going to be surrounding Benetton. But instead of suspicion arising around Schumacher's car, this time it was because of Jos Verstappen's car, the dad of current Formula 1 driver and two-time world champion Max Verstappen. And it was all down to Jos Verstappen's pit stop because whilst the car had gone in and was getting ready to be refuelled, The fuel nozzle wouldn't enter the car properly and the car ended up being set on fire because of it, with Verstappen and four mechanics of the Benetton team suffering from burns in the aftermath. 
the FIA got into Technic, who were the company that manufactured all of the fueling equipment that was supplied to every team on the grid, to do an examination of the Benetton factory after the race. And what was found was that the fuel valve was slow to close because there was a foreign body present, and that a filter that was designed to try and eliminate the risk of any kind of fire during the fueling process had been removed. And this was all released in an FIA statement. Now, someone had ended up estimating that by removing that filter that could potentially stop a fire from happening, a car was able to be refueled at 12.5% faster and it could save around a second per pit stop, making the Benetton pit stops much quicker than other teams who are still using that filter. Now, Benetton were not having any of this. And they turned around and said that they had contacted an independent company who would give their opinions on the refueling methods. And Benetton also said that they'd contacted their lawyers about a statement that the FIA had released. But because of Intertechnique's findings, the FIA announced that Benetton was summoned to a World Motorsport Council meeting in the middle of October. Intertechnique also came out to say that they had never had a request from Benetton for them to remove the filter from the nozzle, and that they would not authorise a team to remove the nozzle either. And then two days later, Benetton came out to say that the fault actually lied with the equipment that Intertechnique had supplied them with. At the Belgian Grand Prix, Michael Schumacher ended up being disqualified after the FIA found that there was excessive wear on the plank, well past what the FIA would deem as legal. But Benetton and their drivers said that there was so much wear because Schumacher had spun during the race. That was not going to work as an excuse though because the damage from the spin was actually visible and it was further down the plank and wasn't the reason for the excessive wear at all. Still though, Benetton ended up deciding to launch an appeal and a World Motorsport Council meeting was set for September 5th. And to no surprise, the appeal was rejected and Schumacher was still disqualified from that race. At the World Motorsport Council meeting at the end of July that had been held to investigate the ongoings at the British Grand Prix, Schumacher ended up being disqualified from that race as well and he also had a two-race ban. And Benedon was also fined for not listening to the stewards. But at this council meeting, the FIA did announce that there was no evidence that had been found to suggest that Benedon were using an illegal electronic system, but that an illegal electronic system existed that could be activated at any time. So once again, the FIA were acknowledging that yes, it existed, but no, there wasn't any evidence to suggest that Benedon had been using it. No solid proof. And at yet another World Motorsport Council meeting, wow, Benedon really loved going to these things at this point. The fueling issue was finally discussed. The night before this hearing happened, though, the FIA was informed by another team, LaRousse, that they had been told by Intertechnique in May to remove that same filter. And this was something that Flavio Briato had also been trying to tell the FIA. In the end, the FAA said that Benetton hadn't tried to cheat when they removed the filter, but they had removed the filter without authorization from Intertechnique to try and gain an advantage. And if you're a tad bit confused with this one, then yes, so am I, because surely trying to gain an advantage would also warrant as cheating. Maybe they're trying to say there was no malicious intent behind it, but I'm really not too sure there. 
Maybe they're trying to say it's just more of a grey area. Regardless, so Banton were found guilty of the offence, but did manage to escape punishment. And that was the cheating scandal of the 1994 F1 season. And for all of those offences and all of those allegations that Benetton faced from the FIA and from other teams and from the media, I mean, they got away with pretty much everything that they may or may not have been doing, with Michael Schumacher even winning the driver's title that same year after two disqualifications. That is absolute insanity to me. To have a team have so many allegations brought against them, even being found guilty of one, but absolutely no repercussions, no kind of punishment. Do I think Brendan were using traction control and using this launch control system? I mean, come on, you're telling me you have the software to do it, but you aren't using it? Why would you even have that software there in the first place if you aren't going to use it? I mean, why would you purposely put something into your code not to use it? I code for a living. It's part of my job. I'm not creating redundant code when I don't need to. That's a lot of effort to code something that I know is never going to be used. And to be honest, I don't think the FIA were too convinced either, but I think it was simply down to the fact that there was no proof, there was no trace that Barrington had used it. But I just found that story so, so interesting. It felt like a roller coaster. Obviously, 1994 was still a very sad year of the passing away of two drivers at the same race weekend. But there was just so much going on in that year. And it's crazy to think that this was at a time where, you know, now for me and I know for a lot of F1 fans, we keep up with a lot of F1 news via social media. Teams have social media, we have F1 content creators, podcasts, all of this. And it does make it easier to keep up with the news that's going on. But 1994, you were really having just to keep on top by reading articles that were online, that were in papers, by keeping on top of what news reports were saying. F1 TikTok was not a thing at the time. So crazy, crazy stuff going on there. I will be back next week because F1 are going to be heading out for the Qatar Grand Prix this coming weekend. We have not been there in a year because of the Football World Cup. It is a sprint race weekend and Max Verstappen has the chance to take the World Drivers' Championship during the sprint race. All he needs to do is finish at least P6 in a sprint race, regardless of where Sergio Perez finishes, to take the Drivers' Championship. And let's be honest, I think that's pretty much guaranteed as long as there are no reliability issues, which Red Bull have not been facing this year, really. Gonna be a bit strange to see a Drivers' Championship won at a sprint race and not at the end of a Grand Prix, but that's what happens when we add sprint races to the calendar. We get some weird and wonderful things happening. So I will see you guys here next Tuesday at 9am for the Qatar Grand Prix review and where we will probably be celebrating Max Verstappen's third consecutive world championship. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and Jochen Bauer. Make sure you follow me on TikTok and Instagram at stewards underscore office where I post F1 content daily and I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the stewards office.